today we have Tina Konkin with us, and she is the author of the book, How God Used the Other Woman. Yeah, it was a incredible conversation. I mean, her testimony yes. of how, uh, despite infidelity, mm. her marriage not only recovered and was reconciled, but was better than she would ever have imagined. Mm-hmm. I think today we have a message of hope. If you have a marriage that has been fractured or even you feel like it's been shattered by infidelity, loss of trust or loss of intimacy, I feel like this is a, a message that everyone kind of needs to hear, whether you're going through it or you know someone who's going through it. So anyway, uh, again, Tina Conkin, we hope you enjoy this episode. We hope it blesses you and we will see you on the other side. All right, we are excited to welcome Tina Conkin to the Fierce Marriage Podcast. Tina, how are you today? I'm good, thank you. We are really just grateful and feel very blessed to have you on the podcast um, to share your story and to share. Uh, I'm sure our audience is probably familiar with your story and um, have probably heard about your book. Uh, but just in case if they're not. Right, no, I was <laughs> yeah. getting there. I was okay, getting there. Okay. <laughs> in case they're not, I wanted you, uh, we were hoping that you would share kind of some of your story and uh, how that led to this current uh, book that you are you have out. Thank you. Um, you know, it took a lot of years to come to the place where I finally decided, hey, God, I'm ready to make it a public story, not just a intimate story that we share with the marriages that we coach and that we help through our intensives weekends. Um, but Lord, I, I want it out there. And I didn't realize how um, big out there he was going to make it happen. I just thought, <laughs> oh, I'll write a book. We had self, my husband and I, I'm a widow now. He passed away six years ago. Mm. Um, and we founded this marriage ministry together. But um, we had already self-published a book. So I thought this would be that kind of book. And instead, you know, God saw fit that focus on the family approached me and asked me to um, maybe, you know, if, if it's a message that people need to hear, maybe we make it a bit bigger than was in my mind. And mm. so it's been published by focus on the family. And I feel honored just even that they thought the story was worthy enough to publish. But in my world, um, You know, I've been dealing with broken marriages for probably about 23, 24 years now. And um, even even prior to the infidelity in our marriage, when we pastored, that was one of the big things, you know, broken relationships. And so when it happened to us, it really was out of left field. And I think my message today is that our marriages are fragile in the world that we live in and mm. they need to be protected. And, you know, I can hear baby noises in the background. And <laughs> got a brand new newborn right there. Yes. And I think about you holding her as she's making those sounds and you know, you can't drop her. You know that, you know, she's expecting you to hang on to her mm. and doesn't even know you're doing it, but you're protecting her because mm. she's not able to totally take care of herself or hold herself up. But every little noise represents what can I do, you know, mm-hmm. to to help you be more sound, to help you be more healthy, to help you feel better at this moment. And so when I think of a baby, I think we're so protective, you know, as parents, because mm-hmm. we know they need it. But at our marriages, if we treated it a little bit more 
like it was fragile, I think there'd be a lot less, you know, um, mm -hmm. a lot less failure. Yeah. Do you know where I'm coming from? I'm kind of hearing yeah. the baby noises and I think, you know, what if I could hang on to my marriage and my relationship this way, realizing that it is so important. It is, mm -hmm. it is a, you know, it, it is something to be protected. Yeah. Right. And if it yeah. was left out to the wild, like if you left your baby out in another room to cry, it would panic. It would feel hurt. It would feel, right. you know, like, is there anybody taking care of me? Right. And sometimes like right now is it, really, I've never used this example, but hearing those sounds, I think, you know, you as the mom are coddling her right now. Mm -hmm. You know, she's precious. There's, you're not going to let anything happen mm. to her that is going to hurt her. And I think, you know, it would be so cool if we could look at our marriages as something mm. that is delicate, something that is, you know, to be protected, something that is yeah. weathered in the storm so that, you know, husbands are, are protecting their wives in the time of a storm. Her wives are there. And so, you know, we learn that through our story yes. we learned that through failure and yes here, that's i mean I, I just want to jump in because i feel like yeah, you're hitting a really good point right there in that uh, our culture tends to downplay really important things i think marriage is one of those things i mean you're using the example of a of a child holding a child in our arms but i mean we know i don't want to make this political but we know the the toll that abortion has had on our on our country and the millions of lives the, the children that have been discarded, right? In a lot of ways, marriages have been discarded in the same way, and we tend to make light of these things that are intended and have always in, been built to be of utter importance to the Christian life, to to the family, obviously children being that case, but also marriage. Marriage is a covenant, right? And so so often we hear of stories of people getting divorced, mainly because their expectations of what marriage required, but also what marriage is as a reflection of the character of God. Um, I think we can so easily discard it as soon as it becomes inconvenient uh, in our lives. Um, and that's a tragedy. So I think you're, you're touching on that. I wanted to just kind of blow that point up a little bit because it does kind of speak to the systemic issue that we, that we deal with when it comes to marriage. Uh, but specifically how it can lead to infidelity, right? Which is, which is sadly, but also um, in, a, in a way God is glorified through that's because that's been your story, right? Infidelity and the, the title of your book. Um, and I want you I want to share that whole story with us. Um, but the title of your book really strikes me. <laughs> it's called <laughs> your book is called How God Used the Other Woman. Or that's at least that's is that the title of your book? Or is that is, is that? OK, that so I, is. it says topic on the briefing here, but I want to make sure it's the actual title. <laughs> yeah, um, it is actually. How God used the other woman. I mean, I don't know if you could say it in a more kind of uh, grading way, but in a way that's also hopeful. So can you talk about your story? Share your story with us with as much detail as you're willing to share. Um, I just know it'll be helpful for our, our listeners here. Well, I can give you a lot of detail there. I mean, the good, bad and the ugly is all in the book. Um, but to God, you know, I really do give glory because if it wasn't for those moments where he interrupted, you know, that ugly road we were on, I wouldn't be here to tell the story today. And one of the things I want your callers to hear and, and that I share with everybody that I help is always watch for God, not for the big storm, not for the big splash, not for when he parts the water, but watch what he does in the very mundane things. 
you know, if you're mm. just watching and listening, that could be the very breakthrough that then opens the waters, you know, to, yeah. to walk on dry ground, that sort of thing. But it takes that step of watching for him. And in our story, really, our marriage was not bad. And that's why I don't want people to think that, you know, you're always derailed. And that's why I talked about a little baby, because it's that protection of things that we forget, we take for granted, you know, that maybe when we were dating, we were more romantic or then life happens, you know. So it's all those little things that we stop doing for each other and that end up sometimes allowing someone else to step in. Right. Huh. And, and, and by wow. default, not necessarily going and looking for it. You know, we're not talking about an addiction here. We know there's addictions, there's sexual addictions, there's all kinds mm. of, addictions. but that's what, this was not what that was. This mm. was a blindsided moment in a couple's walk with God. We were in ministry. We got married when we were both in separate ministries and then met each other and continued on in ministry. And so it can happen and again, it's because we don't realize how fragile. And like you said, in the world that we live in, it's so easily discarded. It's not, yeah. just, it's, it doesn't have the respect it deserves. But to us, let me tell you where it started. It really started with um, a moment, what I call my mirror moment. So I'm going to start right after the infidelity. Okay. And within 24 hours of finding out my husband had been unfaithful with one of my closest friends. Hmm. Um, so God used her, the other woman. <laughs> yes, the title has had both great admiration huh. and also great criticism. Uh -huh. <laughs> sure. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the criticism has been, how dare I give credit to the other woman for anything God might do, you know? Huh. And I thought, I don't know. He, he he gives he uses what was meant for evil for good, you know? And for me, that's what he used in my marriage to give me the 20 years post the infidelity as wow. the best, best marriage. Mm. I, I couldn't even have imagined it. Let's just put it that way. Okay. Wow. If you had told me these are the expectations you should have for marriage and I would have seen the white picket fence and I would have seen the fairy tale and I would have seen the princess, it wouldn't have compared to what we had for 20 years mm. post affair. Awesome. And that's why I can truly say God used this, you know, mm. And But the mere moment is what I call it, and that is the moment that God changed everything for me in, mm. in seriously less than 30 seconds. And wow. it was the morning, it was the morning after. So I found out my husband was away, his mom, so just a little preface to that, yes. his mom was yes. dying, and that's when he got into the affair. Okay. While his, mm. his last couple weeks of his mother's life. And, um, and so he had left home to go visit his dad about two weeks after his mom passed away and the funeral was done and so he was away from home and I found out through a phone call a friend called me and just said I believe your husband is having an affair with so-and-so which was my close friend and I said you're nuts right and not believing and you know nothing right and so um, I call him and I'm on the phone and I think the worst three words I ever heard in my entire married life was, it is true. Mm. And it was like, then it's like your spirit, anybody who's in, experienced infidelity will know what I'm talking about. Your stomach leaves, your spirit is gone, your head goes like on fire. You know, you, you just get this sweep of emotions 
and you just want to throw up. Yeah, I can't even imagine. I mean, so it, yeah. it is in in marriage, especially a Christian marriage. I believe it's probably one of the worst things that can happen. You know that betrayal. Um, and so, you know, of course, that night was long and hard, and and all of that. But that's where you know I thank God for my pastors at the time. I went straight to their house in the afternoon, right after I found out, and they just took me in, and it was there that at least. I was given some good counsel. And one of the counsels that I was given was you need to go to him face to face. And so I prepared for that to get on a flight the next morning and fly up to his hometown and, you know, see what we were going to do with this situation. And so I get up the next morning. I haven't slept all night, as you can imagine, you know, that ugly cry. And and I go to the bathroom and it's 6 a.m. And I look in the mirror and what is it about women when we look in the mirror, we're still trying to fix our eyes? <laughs> it's like, it's not happy my eyes. I mean, they were puffy, they were black. I'm taking my makeup off. And, I mean, I just looked, it, it was ugly, you know? And, um, and I remember just looking in that mirror and just going, why? Like, why God? How? Why us? Like, and now I'm giving God my credentials, right? I start <laughs> right. telling the Lord. Can you believe, Lord, that this is happening to us? We're 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 in ministry, mm. you know. We're we're pastors, like we help people, you know. Mm. And I'm giving him all the years of all the people we've helped in all the churches we've been in, you know. And it, like he doesn't know, so I'm just giving my resume. <laughs> Sorry, you I know, do that. Right? That's so classic, know. right? Yeah. <laughs> And so um, I'm crying and crying. And then, like I said, within 30 seconds, I hear this voice coming out of the mirror, looking back at me and saying, Tina, stop crying. And ask yourself what part you played in this. Now, this is where I've gotten the criticism because what I heard was what part I played in where I was standing that day, in my marriage, like in the 20 years of marriage, in the 14 years at that time of marriage. Hmm. You know what I mean? That's what I heard God ask. Hmm. Whereas my readers or some of my people that are looking at the title and, you know, some of the synopsis on it are saying, are you saying women should take responsibility for their husband's affairs? No, please hear that clearly. No, 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 no. And that's not what God was asking me to do. Mm. You know, we are all responsible for our own sin. I believe that with all my heart. Doesn't matter if, if you hold a gun to my head, right. And tell me to deny Christ. I still have to decide to do that. Hmm. So the decisions that we make right or wrong, doesn't matter what the other person is holding over you. Doesn't matter. So in infidelity, it doesn't matter that it was a moment of weakness or temptation or you're still responsible for that, right? Mm. So, but what God was trying to say is, and I, I understood it right away, what part have you played up to this time to, to, now, what to you, be where you're here now? Yeah, and I know you... I, I'm, I know you've probably heard this backlash a lot. And so I'm really curious to hear what, what exactly do you mean by that? And this is probably where you're going next, <laughs> but right. what role, I mean, what, what, right. yeah. Give, give us well, some texture there. And to there. be honest, I didn't know either. So again, that was my 32nd moment that I went, mm. what part I played. 
Now I had no problems drying up my ears, my, my eyes, because now I'm mad, right? And I'm actually <laughs> thinking it's demons talking in the, in the mirror, right? And I'm mm. going to cast them out of that mirror. <laughs> it's not God, because God wouldn't ask me, you know, right. what part I, I'm the victim. So I remind God that I'm the victim, or I, I think they're demons right now. And then all of a sudden I quiet down and I said, God, if that's you, then you better explain what that means. And I tell you, I can't tell you if it was more than a minute at that point, but within a minute, I was taken back 20 years into my past. And here I was standing at a funeral parlor. And I knew where I was. And it was like, I call it my George Bailey moment, you know, in that, or Scrooge yeah. moment where you're taking back yep. in life, you know, and that's what happened to me. And I'm standing in this funeral home and I see the casket and I said, God, what am I doing here? And he says, walk up. And I walk up to the open casket and I know exactly where I am, what time it is, when it was. And it was a very, very close person that I actually thought I was going to marry. And he died. So this is before I met my husband and um, he passed away and I nurtured him for a year. He had to move back in with his parents because he couldn't take care of himself. And basically I was there every day for everything and he passed away and he didn't have an open casket at the funeral, but we just the family and I were at the funeral home where it was an open casket. And so I look into the casket. I don't see his body. I just see a rose, a red rose. And it was the red rose I had placed on his chest that day, 20 years earlier. And I said, Lord, the rose is alive. What's going on? And that, at that moment, God said, that's your heart. You mm. left it there and you made a vow that you would never nurture or love like that again. Mm. So you had, so you come to realize that you had, uh, you'd not nurtured your husband in a way that in his pain, right? Because his mother had gotten sick and had passed yeah. away. And, and his never, grief was. He didn't nurture before that. Sure. So he never required it. I never gave it. And we were good, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> or so it, so I thought. Right. So, so he, I mean, the kind of the, the story is that he, went elsewhere to, to find nurturing, right? He found nurturing in the arms of this other woman, right? A good friend of yours. And then you find out about this. So you're obviously, you're reeling from this. Uh, you're, you're reflecting back on, on, um, you know, in your words, the, the role that you had to play in, in a, and not a, not a, uh, not a dismissing his sin thing, but in a owning kind of your own role in it, right? Correct me well, if I'm wrong here, on any of this. Here, yes. And, and the reason I had to own my part, I didn't have to, but, I was compelled to because when God said, that's your heart, he then said, if you'll pick it up, I'll restore your marriage. Wow. Wow. So that, and again, now I haven't talked to my husband. I haven't seen him. I don't know if he wants the marriage back. I just know that I'm having my moment with God. And he's saying, your responsibility is that hmm. you laid your heart down that hmm. day. Right. Hmm. And never gave that part of your heart again. Not only, you know, this is the part that's really sad. Not only didn't I give it to my husband, I didn't give it to my children either. Hmm. So when they hmm. were babies, like the little baby that you're holding, I was the best nurturer, 
right? I did everything they needed. But once they were old enough, you know, five, six, hey, at five or six, you can put your own pants on. You can, so I didn't do anything that they could do for themselves, hmm. anyone. So I was just not the nurturer. I was known as the non-hugger. But everybody loved me with little kids. Hmm. They weren't dangerous. Wow. They couldn't hurt me. Hmm. They needed me. So so you had unwittingly kind of held your heart back in these yes. seasons of life. Yes. yes. And so after after this realization, how did you start? I mean, so many of our listeners have, have been here and, and sadly, and they're there. We get messages almost daily of husbands or wives who have discovered infidelity and they're either on the brink of divorce. I got a message today. Someone who said they just had final, they had filed divorce papers. The woman was, she was sharing this kind of a praise report. She said, we went to the lawyer to get divorce papers done. And the lawyer said, I can see that you still love your husband. I encourage you to get counseling before you file for divorce. Yeah. And so she's in counseling now and then and listened to one of our podcast episodes and is seeing kind of this perfect storm of kind yeah. of reconciliation is possible. And not only that, but it's the best way forward. So, yeah. so many people have been kind of where you've been um, or they are where you've been. So how did you begin to rebuild, um, to, to rebuild trust? Obviously you, you're taking, it's remarkable to me how you're taking so much responsibility right now, but you were the one that was wronged in the marriage in this in, in yes. the infidelity, right? In the marriage, yes. But I also understood in that very moment that if I would do what God was asking me to do, and all he was asking me to do was have a whole heart again. Mm. So it wasn't then, but later we built our marriage ministry. We do intensives, and of course, we see a lot of infidelity. But we do three-day intensives with couples based on Matthew 19.8. And there, Jesus speaks of the hardness of the heart is the reason for divorce. So when the Pharisees, you know the story, the Pharisees come to him and do you allow divorce like Moses allowed divorce? And he get, he doesn't disagree that Mo, Moses allowed divorce, but he said he allowed it because of the hardness of the heart. Hmm. And so when God told me to pick up my rose which was representing my heart, what he was really saying is we need to re-soften your heart, get rid of the hardness of the heart so you can have your marriage and not end up in divorce. Wow. So was that? that, was that softening? So I mean, oh, you may, and I, I'm not, I don't mean to gloss over a lot. That took time, right? It's not like you just said, okay, I'm going to soften my heart. How, how did that softening yeah. unfold? So the softening of the heart took two years. Wow. Wow. But, but, the message that I had to soften my heart and I had to examine my hardness of heart, which is what I brought into the marriage. My husband had to look at the hardness of the heart that he brought into the marriage. So in other words, there is not one person, including yourselves and all the beautiful work you do with marriages that doesn't have to be accountable for some of the things that we bring into marriage because of hurt, because of fear, yeah. because of, yeah. you know, shortcomings, because of our Absolutely. belief system. Because of what we saw, heard, and experienced. So that's the part that took two years was mm. the unraveling of the hardness of our heart. The forgiveness, though, had to be a decision I made right then and there. Wow. Wow. I knew I wow. had to forgive him and I had to forgive her or there was no way of even taking my heart back. Right. Wow. 
of even having a whole heart. You can't have a whole heart and Mm. still be hard towards the people that have hurt you. That's a tall order. And (laughs) that is, is. is. praise God for the Holy Spirit to help us and for your example i think it's good that you told people it takes two years it took you two years it did to get that softened heart and um so it's almost like this moment of boom i need to forgive him right i need to have this resol like this resolution almost in my heart that i'm, I'm resolved to this process now that the forgiveness is like you said it happened in an instant but the reconciliation and the softening the untangling of mm. the hardness took two years so mm-hmm. i think that's that's a beautiful picture because so often we, we expect that just once we forget, we should feel like the forgiveness is complete. Right. right? And, and then they, and then there's the failure. And... It's just the open, you know, it's mm. just like when God forgives us, right. We're right. saved right away. It's done. The work is finished, but now we got to walk it out. You know, right. now we, we, we renew, right? right. And now we, we learned what Christ like is like now the discipleship starts. So we were on a two years two years of discipling what a marriage and that's why to me they were the best two years the most painful Mm. two years but the best for what they gave us you know the 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 20 years following that right and we developed and made out of that but you know for a moment i don't want to get too spiritual on here because that's usually not my thing i i like people to think that you know we're gonna we're gonna look at your hurt and not just throw bible verses at you but on Mm. this thing of of forgiveness I must say, when I forgave, I finally realized what, when I had that moment with that rose, you know, my heart softened in that very moment because I realized that how dare I feel like a victim when I have victimized my husband for 14 years. Huh. I haven't given him my heart. I promised him when I vowed on that wedding day right but then right. i had to forgive myself because i didn't even know that i'd made that vow out of hurt so mm. that's why i say forgiveness isn't just for other people it's for us and we need to forgive ourselves in that moment i forgot all about what he did i saw my i saw my life flash in front of me i saw how when my children would come to me and just want me to pick them up and i'd say mm. you can walk Hmm. Right. Hmm. And I thought, oh my goodness, that wasn't about them walking. That was that vow. You don't nurture. Right. Right. There's so many of those things that we we might like overlook, right? And God's like, no, I want you to see these. I want you to see these differently than maybe how you were raised or how you experienced um, love and nurturing. And I mean, everything you're saying, honestly, as as a mom, I'm I'm experiencing. You know, because once they get to that sort of more independent age, it's like. Well, no, you can do this yourself. And it's not about babying them, right? Or not, right. it's not. A, but it's, it's about just, differentiating. I had to ask myself yes. when I saw it, what was it that made me say that? Was yes. it a teaching moment? Like, right. no, I need to teach you to do this yourself? Or was it uh no? Right? right. There's a right. difference in our, right. and, in our spirit. And absolutely. And the hardening of the heart and the softening of the heart. I mean, that is... That is the that is only something that the Lord can do, right? And yeah. the only He is the one that transforms our hearts. He is the one yeah. that brings uh, flesh to our hearts and, and yeah. making those hearts of stone into flesh. Um, and real quickly, I just wanted to ask you: you talk about you talk about first responders uh, in these situations, and 
maybe just kind of touch on that, what they do and why they're important when a marriage is, is threatened by infidelity. Because I think um, if we, if we haven't experienced it in our marriage, we'd probably know people or have close friends that maybe we're walking through it with them. And uh, how can we, how can we be a good first responder or what, how would you identify a first responder, I guess, and the importance of that role? Yeah. And that role is super important because if, um, as a first responder, I, I'm, especially now I am myself, you know, in our ministry, of course, a first responder and I have placed first responders, first responders in churches, you know, and mm. said to churches, listen, who's answering the phone when somebody calls, you know, because a prayer isn't going to cut it. Right. 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 And, and yes, you can pray with them, but somebody needs to be physical. Somebody needs to, you know, step in, in the gap, you know, mm. and I said, they're drowning at that moment. So you need a lifeline and it can't just be, let me pray for you. It's like watching somebody drown. So good. Yeah. A lifeline in your hand, but you say, but let me pray, you know, no, throw mm. me the lifeline and then pray, you know? Right. Um, and so it's that idea. And the first responder not only needs to feel their pain and not make them feel like, you know, they're to blame or anything like that, but feel their pain, but also say, let's not make any decisions right now. Mm. Because my first responders, for me, said exactly what I needed to hear in that moment. You need to be face to face with him. Mm. And you know, for everybody, it's different, but that's what I needed in that moment. So whenever, for me, as a first responder, I always, I always ask God when I'm going to go meet with somebody, God, give me the word they need for this moment mm. to get mm. through this moment so we can help them get through this moment, you know, right. Right. and many times, though, what they personally need is not hear what their biblical rights were <laughs> right because that right. was the next thing i heard from people <laughs> i really really admired that were in my circle you know the very if god had spoken to me you know that very next meeting within a week um of of all this going down was you know you have the biblical right oh interesting and yeah. i just went really like is that is that what you're gonna say to me right now i just came to you saying we need help, you know, right. we want to, and, and it's going to be a long road ahead. So be very mm. careful that, first of all, I wish people would study that scripture a little bit more deeply. Because Thank you for saying that. Really Thank you for saying this. that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You know? and, to be, and to be clear, the biblical right is the, the right to divorce. And you're saying, yeah. don't just jump to that. Right. 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 That, you know, yeah. so good. Because again, it's the same old, same old. It's, it's, it's said right in the same scripture as Jesus talks about the hardness of the heart. And mm. he's saying, there's no other choice. If you keep your hard, your hardened heart, it will mm. be divorce, mm. you know? And I think too, it's that if anything's going to harden your heart, it is going to be betrayal. Mm. Right. But just like mm -hmm. whoever the first responder was to this couple, for them, a divorce lawyer, God bless his heart. You know, <laughs> I can see you still love your husband. That's a first right. responder right there. Right, right. So you're so saying why don't just we be just slow this train down? Yeah, slow yeah. Down. I yeah. love that. Yes. Yeah. Be slow so, to speak, quick to yeah. listen in those. Yeah. In those and what we do in our weekends is really we tell them this isn't about, you know, getting a divorce or not getting a divorce. At the end of the day, we live in a country that we all have the right to divorce. 
Okay, so we mm-hmm. live in the days of Moses. We don't need a reason to get a divorce. Hmm. There's a no-fault divorce law right here in California. Well, it started with Moses. All right, <laughs> so let's not think we're so far gone. It started back then with God's people. So, but Jesus has brought about a new covenant. He's saying, let's look at this differently. You know, the adulteress should have been stoned. Instead, God used her in my story. Hmm. Right. So. It's, it's a new covenant. And if we look at all things new, I really, in our weekend, it's not about getting a divorce. It's not about maybe a divorce isn't is a good idea. Not all divorces are wrong or bad, you know, but we're not here to do that this weekend. We're here to put the brakes on, get each person healthy so we can unlock the hardness of our heart and then decide. So I'll make decisions not in my moment of pain, but in a healthy place, not in my moment of anger, not in my moment of unforgiveness, not in a moment of being a victim. No victims ever make good decisions, mm. right? Mm. So I get out of that and then make the decision. Mm. So I have a I have a question that's honestly the one that I struggle with the most. And it's, see, in your case, I don't know. I don't know how Ron's heart turned around or how long that process took. You said your heart took two years to soften. I don't know if he was automatically willing to reconcile, even though he had been the one, you know, he had sinned against you and he recognized that. So many people write in and they say, I really want this marriage to work. My husband or my wife isn't, he or she does not. Or I am trying to show the actions of love, even though I don't feel the emotions of love, even though he or she is not doing those things. So how can you speak? And this is kind of our last, this will probably be one of our last questions we're running out of time, but speak to that couple or that spouse, that husband or that wife who feels well, like actually, they've been fighting, 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 and yeah. they can't find a way forward. How do they, what, what hope do you have for them? For them. Um, again, I, I hate to get super spiritual, but oh, it's the please. only thing that I know really works. We need and the Bible. Is, so. Yeah. Yeah. So I, and I don't, I don't, I think it's, it, and the reason I'm so protective of that is because we throw it out there so easy. Well, just trust God. Okay. Mm-hmm. Answer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I, I want to be careful that that's not how I'm coming across, but this is what I say. And I'm dealing with a very high profile couple right now in ministry. And that's exactly their situation. And I have said to her, cause she's believing for a miracle. He was basically mm-hmm. done, you know, and um, she's still believing for a miracle. They've been separated, I think, three and a half years now. And I said, get a word from the Lord and stand on that. Are you believing for a miracle because you're desperate, because you don't believe in divorce, because like get your reasons out? And she said, no, because I know in my spirit. And I said, then stand on that. Right. Mm-hmm. So three years, about six months ago. And I said, but do nothing, do nothing you know, just stand in prayer and live. Right. And she did that. And we started praying and we started praying specifically for certain things to happen. They did. And now though they are not together under the same roof yet, the last six months. Right. So where I'm saying is ask yourself, why is it that you won't let go? Is it because you're humiliated? Is it because it shouldn't be this way? Is it because you're not strong enough to stand alone? Like you have to become everything in yourself and God being enough. Jesus plus nothing. 
Yeah. Then you yeah. can hear his voice, right? Yeah. And if they hear it, they can stand on it. An old preacher used to say to me when I was young, before I was married, he goes, when you know that you know that you know that you know, then it doesn't matter what comes around. You know, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah right? Uh, so I kind of go by that if you know that you know. But you've got to ask yourself, because some, it, you know, if you're still waiting around and he's already remarried with other children, you, you'd better think about it. Mm. You know, and, and know that that's probably time to move on. Right. We had, we but, had a um, we had a um, a close friend of ours. Um, his mother-in-law was a I'll say she was a stander. Right. She mm-hmm. stood for over a decade waiting for uh, his father-in-law to come around, and you know he went and lived the life to the prodigal son thing. I mean, quite quite analogous, right, to the prodigal son. Right. Every way, like riches, all this stuff. Um, you know, eventually found himself eaten with the pig, so to speak, and right. came home. And yeah, it was a long process, but for a decade she stood without a without a mm. without an iota of yeah. like earthly knowledge that this would work. Right? She was right. standing in faith, standing well, on God's word, trusting that right. He would. Um, and even I'm if home. you know, he she will say this that even if He never came home, even if He never uh, returned to her, that He she still would say that Jesus was enough in that. And he's, he would still be enough to this day. Just her faith was just so immense. Um, And that's why, you know, with this person I'm going through it with right now, the first question I asked her is, do you want to be married? Like, are there interests in someone else? You know, do you see yourself be, no, she said, I don't, I don't see myself with anyone else. And even if we got divorced and he remarried, it is not in my heart to ever remarry. She goes, I've been apart from him now for over three years. I've not seen one person. I've not. So then what have you got to lose? Mm. Do you mm. see what I'm saying? So she can stand because she's not missing married life. Her life is really Jesus plus nothing is enough. Yeah. I'm fulfilled in what I do. I'm fulfilled in the ministry I have. I'm fulfilled in, as a mother. I'm fulfilled, right? Yeah. And But I want my marriage back. Wow, man! Um, You're just sorry. He just turned me down for a second. How dare you? Um, gosh, I feel like we could, we could spend hours talking to you and I feel like you're just a wealth of knowledge and wisdom and you have a ton of resources out there. I mean, your book, but you also were talking about kind of your weekends. Where can people go to find more, (laughs) more more. of Um, your story, more of your ministry, uh, yeah, tell us yeah. where we can go from there. So so for the intensives, our three-day intensives, which are mostly done in Southern California, beautiful, sun, sunny Southern California, you There's go to relationship, yeah, relationshiplifeline.org. Hmm. Okay. And then if anybody has interest in doing a marriage conference in their, um, you know, in, in their churches or doing a mini intensive um, that is not you know, three day long, but maybe six to 10 hours or Friday night, Saturday, or have me come into a conference and do speaking, mm. then it's tinaconkin.com. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. That that's, would be... that's Conkin with two K's. K-O-N-K-I-N. Yes. Yep. yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. We'll have those in the show notes for sure. And your book, How God Used the Other Woman, definitely something to pick up or have in your mm. library, possibly to share at some point if you are a first responder right. or journeying with someone. Um, it's an value, value, valuable resource. I don't 
feel like there's enough, which sounds kind of weird to say, um, but I think that yeah. that this is a, a, a treasure for, yeah. for people that are just... they don't have to, you know, they don't have to have been unfaithful or have infidelity. There's some work stuff that they can do in the book, even if they're just individuals and singles, to look at the hardness of the heart mm. before you enter relationships or whatever relationship it is, mm. even so siblings and parents. And, you know, there's a lot to learn about what I learned that day, where the hardness of the heart comes from. Wow. Mm. Thanks for being so transparent, yes. Tina, and just Thank so open you. with your story and your heart and your your flaws and everything. I don't think we hear it enough, like I said, and it's it's so it bring, it just, you know, brings us to our knees and helps us mm-hmm. see God in all of your story and everything that you, yeah. you guys have um, done ministry wise. Absolutely. And like, yeah, I totally echo everything Selena said. And also, um, like she also said, we'll put this in <laughs> our show notes, your, your yeah. uh, various websites and where to find your book. And Tina, thank you so much for joining us. Thank this has been you. a joy. All right, friends, we hope you've enjoyed this interview with Tina Konkin. Um, if you want to find any of her resources, the simplest way to do that is to go to her website. It's tinakonkin.com. That's T-I-N-A-K-O-N-K-I-N.com. Uh, and you can find all of her resources. They have programs. They have media. There's a way to shop for her stuff. You can mm-hmm. obviously get her book and find her on all the socials. So anyway, hope this conversation has blessed you. It's given you hope. It's given you a picture of what redemption can look mm-hmm. like by the power of the gospel. And as usual, we will see you in probably a few days. And until next time, stay fierce. Thank you for listening to the Fierce Marriage Podcast. For more resources for your marriage, please visit FierceMarriage.com or you can find us with our handle at Fierce Marriage on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you so much for listening. We hope it's blessed you. Take care.